Rivals, Episode 2, Holiday Park. Chrissy and Jimmy sleep together in her hotel room. Chrissy stirs and checks the time on the bedside clock. She closes her eyes, but promptly opens them again. It's the match from earlier that day. We glimpse a frustrated Chrissy, arm cocked, racket ready to fly. A racket tumbles into the clay court surface. Chrissy, age 10, pretty, with colored ribbons and light brown hair, stands over the racket and frowns. Mr. Everett, dressed in all white, stands beside a shopping cart filled with balls. He resembles a vagrant penguin as he shuffles to the net in the hot Florida sun. Chrissy, come here. Don't throw your racket like that. It's bad sportsmanship, but it also lets your opponent see that you're rattled. Don't ever let your opponent know what you're feeling. She nods resignedly and retreats to the baseline. Racket back early. Quick little steps. That's the way. Another ball. And another. Chrissy moves from sideline to sideline like a metronome. Kids and coaches fill the adjacent courts, creating a sea of 60s color beneath the canopy of palm trees. Mr. Everett sips a whiskey and sits beside Chrissy's 11-year-old brother, Drew. Chrissy sits on the floor beside her 7-year-old sister, Jeannie. They both entertain their baby brother, John. One of Chrissy's trophies takes center stage on the mantelpiece of the modestly decorated room. It's been in the family since Gomez was a little boy. Don't you think Mr. Heaney looks like Uncle Fester? (laughs) Pat Heaney isn't bald. When was the last time you saw him? He's got like three or four hairs that he combs over his whole head. Mr. Everett brushes a hand over his balding crown. Hair isn't everything. That's lucky for you. Watch it, Missy. What did you learn in school this week? Uh, multiplication. What about you, Chrissy? We're reading The Secret Garden. Drew? The Congress and the three branches of government. What are they? Legislative, executive, and... Judicial. Are we Republicans or Democrats? I don't want politics to be discussed in this house. Daddy, all the other kids know what their parents are. Mr. Everett takes a sip of whiskey and mulls it over. Well, I've always been a Democrat. A conservative Democrat. And your mom? Well, she's a Republican. Is that allowed? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Everett enters. Dinner will be ready in five minutes. Mom, you didn't vote for President Kennedy? I told myself not to, but he was Catholic, of course. So nice looking with those beautiful teeth and that gorgeous hair. I just had to vote for him. And you just said hair isn't everything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's enough talk about politics. I want everyone in the car tomorrow by 7.30. I don't want us looking like a bunch of stragglers again. How much longer do I have to keep going to mass? It's so boring. Jeannie. Isn't it better to be kind and do good things than to go to Mass? Why not do both? Mrs. Rossetti is horrible to everyone in the neighborhood. But just because she goes to Mass on Sunday, that makes her a good person? She's a widow, Chrissy, and she has issues. It's not her fault. Your father is right. As long as you're under our roof, I'm going to deliver you to Mass on Sunday. Jeannie pulls a face as Chrissy and Drew exchange bemused looks. Mr. Everett drives, and Mrs. Everett nurses John. Jeannie sits in back with Chrissy, who stares at the floor. There's a hole by her feet, and she watches the road whiz by. Dad, when can we get a new car? Emily's family got a new Pontiac. We'll get a new car when this one stops running. (laughs) Mrs. Everett laughs, and Chrissy looks disdainful. The Everett family sit in a pew listening to the sermon. 
Drew wears a white robe and sits on the side of the altar. Chrissy catches Drew's eye, and they both smile. Father Kelly addresses the congregation. He puts his arms around the child and says, Whoever welcomes such a child welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. When we serve the most vulnerable, we are serving God. In the presence of the disciples, consumed with their lust for power, Jesus identifies himself with the powerless. When we welcome these children, we welcome God back into our lives. Jeannie nurses John in her lap. Chrissy stands in line waiting to receive communion and observes a sour-looking old woman dressed in black. She appears downcast until she spots Pike, a handsome 10-year-old boy. Chrissy approaches Father Kelly, who holds up a round wafer. Body of Christ. Amen. He places the wafer on her tongue, and she swallows it. The Everts chat with fellow parishioners as children play on the lawns. Chrissy stands with Lori, a pleasant 10-year-old girl, and three other girls. We're going to pitch the tent in the backyard, and we'll have hamburgers and hot dogs. And we should tell ghost stories and toast marshmallows. I'm going to wear that pink dress I got for Christmas. We're supposed to be going camping, not going to a ball. (laughs) Do you have a sleeping bag, Chrissy? The group pivots to her. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask my daddy. It's a lacy pink room filled with stuffed animal toys. Floor-to-ceiling shelves sag with trophies. Chrissy sings into a hairbrush. Jeannie plays racket guitar. And then while I'm away, I'll ride home every day. And I'll send all my loving to you. Mrs. Everett enters. Into bed now, girls. Good night, Chrissy. Good night, Jeannie. Good night, Mom. Good night, Mom. I think I'm going to lose my mind if I don't see Paul. Jeannie holds out her hand, and Chrissy clasps it. Why don't you just close your eyes and dream? That's nice, too. They're staying at the Plaza Hotel. That's in New York. Are you crazy? When you're in love, it's normal to do crazy things. You're going to get in so much trouble, Christine Murray Everett. Chrissy and Jeannie rally until Jeannie hits into the net. Another point ends when Jeannie frames a shot and the ball flies over the back fence. You see those strings on your racket? They're for hitting the ball. Don't be so mean. I'm not playing anymore. Jeannie stomps off. She's halfway to the pro shop when she stops and turns back around. You know, Chrissy, sometimes you can be a really big asshole. Jeannie storms off again. Chrissy looks defensive, but after a moment, trails after her. Tennis and office equipment fight for space against soft drink fridges and confectionery stands. Chrissy and Jeannie sit on the floor doing homework. Mr. Everett huddles over a machine and pulls string through a racket frame like strands of spaghetti. Mrs. Everett enters. We ready, girls? Chrissy catches her mother's eye and nods deliberately in her father's direction. Jim, Chrissy was wondering if she could sleep at Lori's on Friday. Mr. Everett looks up from his stringing machine. She's having a slumber party and there's five or six girls going. Seven. What about our practice? We can pick her up first thing. She won't have had a wink of sleep. What use will that be? It's only one night. What about the under-12 national ranking? Top three by the end of the year. I thought that was the goal. What about having fun and being happy? Why can't that be a goal? Happy how? It's too vague. You might thank me one day. (laughs) Chrissy. Chrissy! (laughs) Mrs. Everett and Jeannie glower at Mr. Everett, who shrugs and continues stringing the racket. Chrissy, puffy-faced and teary, 
plods through a park as people walk dogs and parents watch children play. Martina tussles with a boy as they fight for the puck on a frozen pond. The boy skates over and gives her a malevolent laugh. It's all the motivation she needs to pick herself up and skate back into the game. Martina receives the puck and streaks towards goal. The same boy sweeps into view and blocks her path. They struggle again, but this time it's her who knocks him down. Watch it, boy! Martina's teammates, all boys, try not to laugh. Don't be such a girl. Martina empties a bucket of hot water into the bathtub. She lies in the tub and examines her bruised thigh. She takes time to inspect her body, seemingly looking for other marks and imperfections. Martina pokes at her flat chest and appears disheartened. She cups one of her breasts and tries to mold it into a more curvaceous shape. Martina, dressed unflatteringly in heavy clothes and beanie, stares dejectedly into a mirror. Merrick enters. What is it, Martina? I'm always going to look like a boy. You're just a late bloomer. I can tell you're going to be pretty when you grow up. Somewhat consoled, she gives a half-hearted smile. It's a bleak midwinter day as Martina and her natural father stare into a caged zoo enclosure. Inside, a snarling hyena paces backwards and forward. How is your mother? Good. And Mirek? Good. Have you seen Babichka lately? No. Are you hungry? She shakes her head as the hyena continues to pace. Did you ever hear about the schoolgirl and her pet cat? The girl writes a story and says that her cat has given birth to seven kittens and that they are all communists. However, the next week the girl suddenly writes that the kittens are all capitalists. Her teacher says, but last week the kittens were all communists. And the girl says, yes, but this week they have opened their eyes. <laughs> Martina, more pleased with her father's face than the joke, breaks into her winning smile. Want to see the tigers? She nods, and they walk off together. Merrick stands within the spectacular forests of Berde Mountain. He uses an axe to chop a snow-covered fir tree. Merrick's motorbike stands parked outside a cafe the fallen tree safely secured to the luggage rack. A handful of locals chat, snack, drink, and smoke. Mirek drinks at the bar as Martina's father approaches. Nice to see you, Mirek. Hello, Miroslav. Mirek waits for him to speak, until... How's the restaurant? I left. They don't know how to treat people. Anyway, I have a new job, a better job. Not wanting to pursue it, Mirek just nods. Still at the factory? We pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. Martina's father smiles and Merrick drinks his beer. I heard she won in Bratislava. Yes. You must be very proud. When she wins Wimbledon, then I'll be proud. That's a father's dream. She has a gift. She has good genes. Merrick nods, but Martina's father regrets saying it. She's a happy child. That's what's important. The two fathers size each other up. You're a good man, Mirek. Mirek's gaze lingers on Martina's father as he exits the cafe and disappears from view. Yana sits in bed, reading an Agatha Christie as Mirek changes into his pajamas. Martina's sister sleeps in her cot. I bumped into Miroslav today. How was he? The same. He still cares about Martina, though. I'm taking her to Prague tomorrow. 
We're going to see George Parma. Yana looks up from her book. When did you decide this? She can't play half the year and expect to get anywhere. Won't it disrupt her schoolwork? If you don't want her to go, we won't go. She weighs it up. No, we over this chance. Mirak gets into bed. George Parma said he'd look at her? No, we're just going. What if he won't play with her? Then we'll come home. Martina and Mirak enter a large windowless factory-like building. They watch teenagers dutifully drill on the four courts that comprise the Klamoka Park tennis complex. On the near court, George Parma, 30, tall and handsome, stands courtside, coaching two older boys. Martina, wait here. She nods and watches Merrick walk over to George. Tomas, you're still reaching for the ball. Mr. Parma, my name is Mirek Navratil. They shake hands as George studies the boy's strokes. I brought someone I'd like you to look at. I'm sorry, it's not possible. We've made the journey from Revnice. There are no courts available. If you could spare five minutes, it would be so much appreciated. I'm very sorry. Just as Mirek turns to walk away, George looks across the courts and sees Martina's shivering and expectant face peeking out from beneath her beanie. George sighs resignedly then folds. Okay, I can give you five minutes. Thank you. How old is he? He's nine, and uh, he's a girl. Martina! George maneuvers Martina from side to side. Mirek watches intently as she retrieves every shot. The rally ends when George catches the ball. Show me your serve. She hits a well-timed serve. Again. Another solid serve. Okay, that's enough. Mirek, on tenterhooks, watches them approach. George appraises her. He looks to Merrick and smiles. Merrick beams and Martina smiles back. Martina's parents and grandparents, plus six adult relatives, drink, smoke, snack, and chat in small groups. Martina, her sister, and eight or so children cavort around. Merrick's fir tree, with presents beneath, decorates a corner. Grandfather takes a swig of whiskey and talks to himself. Petra underscore smile. Ivana Salkova's legs. Conversation stopped dead as everyone turns to grandfather. Anna Manlova's breasts. Adults try not to laugh and children giggle. Grandmother scowls as Yana storms across the room. Dead, you're drunk. That's enough. She wrestles the drink from him. Eva Schwandavas. Eva Schwandavas. Martina approaches and whispers in his ear. It was her ass, Grandpa. I remember from last year. You're right. And what an arse it was. Merrick and his cousin observe from a corner. They see grandmother frowning. How does she stand him? They've been divorced ten years. What? Neither can afford to move out. Even after divorce, the communists still won't let you be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Children open presents and play with their toys. Yana enters carrying a pair of wooden snow skis. Martina receives her skis and looks them up and down. Yana retrieves a present from the tree and hands it to Mirak. Martina watches Yana give Mirak an affectionate kiss. He opens the present, a pair of motorbike goggles. He puts them on and pretends to be a monster. Mirak retrieves a present from under the tree. Merry Christmas, Yana. She unwraps the gift and reveals a pair of earrings. Oh, Mirik, they're beautiful. She pulls her hair back and puts them on. They look lovely on you. That's a wonderful gift, Mirik. 
Martina, who is the last present for? She picks up the remaining present and reads the card. It's for Grandma from Grandpa. That must be a mistake. He hasn't bought me anything in years. Martina hands her grandmother the present. She removes the wrapping to reveal an exquisite jewelry box. Merry Christmas, Agnes. <laughs> Martina looks to grandfather, who tries not to look smug. Martina stands on her skis, holding a tow rope attached to Merrick's motorbike. He wears his new goggles and pulls her along the snow-covered streets. Chrissy appears disinterested and misses an easy shot. Her parents look concerned in the bleachers. The opponent wins another point and celebrates with an overblown fist pump. Chrissy flashes forward. We see her opponent's face as they shake hands, smug, conceited, patronizing, and shit-eating grin, as Drew would say. No, it's too much to bear. She gets her game face on and strikes a piercing winner that leaves the girl flummoxed. Mr. Everett drives with Drew beside him. Chrissy and Jeannie are in back, and Chrissy stares at the floor. Dad, this hole is getting bigger. Yeah, why can't we get a new car? There's nothing wrong with this car. Dad, you can just drop us off here. There's a spot right out front. Mr. Everett appears amused by Chrissy's embarrassment. Don't worry so much what people think. Chrissy, there's Lori. Chrissy exits the car and smiles self-consciously at Lori. Chrissy and Lori queue for tickets behind Drew and Jeannie. Chrissy, it's Pike. Pike chats with a boy by the candy bar. What do you think of him? He's nice, I guess. I think he's cute. Yeah, he is pretty cute. <laughs> Chrissy, Lori, Jeannie, and Drew sit together and share popcorn. That gun looks more fitting for a woman. Do you know much about guns, Mr. Bond? No, I know a little about women. Chrissy turns around and notices Pike. He takes a sip of soda and sees her looking at him. Pike smiles warmly, and Chrissy smiles back. Jeannie watches as they continue smiling at each other. Chrissy and Jeannie hit with their unnatural left hand. Their shots are awkward and they giggle and chew gum. Mr. Everett is coaching a few courts down and pings them. Chrissy and Jeannie, if you're not going to play properly, you can go inside and do your homework. They switch to their right hand and rally normally. Don't let me catch you goofing off again. Jeannie notices Pike playing on the court in front. She takes a gigantic swing and slams the ball over the fence. Chrissy watches Pike scamper to retrieve their ball. They approach the wire fence that separates the courts. You're hitting great, Pike. Thanks. You're hitting great, too. We're just mucking around. Yeah, that was a dumb thing to say. I say dumb things all the time. I don't believe that. It's true. Just ask Jeannie. Pike looks to Jeannie, who makes kissing faces. Pike blushes and tries to think of something to say. Chrissy smiles patiently, until... Pike, can I have the ball back? Oh, yeah. Jeannie smirks at Chrissy, who just ignores her. A hand searches through a clothes rack lined with tennis dresses and stops on a white dress with yellow trim. This one, I think. Mrs. Everett hands the dress to Chrissy. Make sure to wear the frilly yellow bloomers. Chrissy nods, and Mrs. Everett begins a new search. She removes a white dress with pink trim. And Jeannie, the... The pink bloomers. I know, Mom. We're not babies. Well, there's no need to be rude. Jeannie rolls her eyes as her mother exits, and Chrissy tries not to laugh. Chrissy, all at sea, 
watches her shot slump into the net. Her opponent rubs some salt in with a celebratory leap. Chrissy's cheeks are flushed as they shake hands. Mr. Everett drives and Mrs. Everett nurses John. Chrissy sits him back with Drew and Jeannie, who cradle trophies. Chrissy stares despondently out the car window. Jeannie watches her father tap his fingers on the steering wheel. Can we change the station? Jeannie. What's a gigolo? Jeannie. She lifts up her trophy and compares it to Drew's. Drew's trophy is bigger than mine. Why is Drew's trophy bigger, Mom? I think they've always made the boys' trophies bigger. Mr. Everett watches Chrissy in his rearview mirror. You okay, Chrissy? Yeah. What sort of parents call their daughters plums? The other sister is called Peaches. Plums and Peaches Barkwitz. Ugh. Jeannie? Mr. Everett sees Chrissy still looking forlorn. There's no shame in losing. Not if you tried your best. Chrissy's eyes remain fixed on the passing scenery. Mr. Everett feeds Chrissy balls from the shopping cart. Moves right, forehand. Moves left, backhand. Balls hit lines and bring up chalk. Another ball, and the cart is empty. That's it for today. I want to keep going. No, that's enough. You've got homework to do. Chrissy reluctantly begins gathering the balls. Chrissy stands waiting for her opponent. On the adjacent court, an 11-year-old boy also waits. Chrissy's parents spectate from the bleachers. Chrissy observes Jimmy Connors, small and slight, with short crew-cut hair, and his mother, Gloria, walk onto the boys' court. I'm going to warm Jimmy up. There must be a wall somewhere you can hit on. The bewildered boy trudges off. Jimmy and Gloria are preparing to play when Jimmy sniffles. Gloria holds a handkerchief in front of him. Blow your nose, Jimmy. They warm up with a slow-paced rally. Keep those feet going. Nice, quick little steps. That's my little tiger. Jimmy, despite his stature, bludgeons the ball with every stroke. Chrissy waits on the baseline to return serve. She glimpses Jimmy hit a flashy winner. He shoots her a look, but she deliberately turns away. Never outdone, Chrissy produces her own stylish winner. She gives Jimmy a sideways look and is met with a smirk. Chrissy observes Mr. Everett and Gloria laughing together in the bleachers. Totally distracted, she frames a ball and it misses by a mile. She looks into the crowd again. I can't believe that witch is coming on to dad. She's about to chuck her racket when she sees Gloria leaving. Chrissy smacks a clean winner and heaves a sigh of relief. Mr. Everett drives with Mrs. Everett beside him. Chrissy and Jimmy, both with trophies, sit in the back with Gloria. Jimmy notices the hole in the floor. What a piece of junk. Gloria elbows him in the ribs. Ow! Jim told me you two dated in high school. We practiced at the same club in Chicago. I remember I lost my wallet and couldn't pay for the court, and you lent me some money. I'm surprised I had any. None of us had much, but we'd always help each other out. And back then, people really knew how to enjoy themselves. We had some fun times, didn't we, Jim? Jimmy grins, but Chrissy looks like she smelled a fart. Jimmy, your mom was one of the best players in the whole state. Your dad was a top player too, Chrissy. But what impressed me most was how clever he was. 
The athletic guys were never into books, but your dad read poetry. Mrs. Everett appears skeptical. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. What's it mean, Daddy? Well, I think it means that for most of us, success and failure are usually quite fleeting. Try not to get too hung up about either of them. Work hard, try your best, and hang in there when things get tough. Gloria sees that Chrissy isn't convinced. But winning always feels a whole lot better than losing, doesn't it, Chrissy? Chrissy and Pike rally until she makes an unusual mistake. Another error from Chrissy, and they approach the net. Well played. Thanks. Chrissy and Pike walk breezily through the park as the sun sets. What about when he shot the guy with the spear gun and said, I think he got the point? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever thought about what you'll do when you leave school? Tad says I can work with him at the drugstore. Do you think you'll like it? I guess so. Do you ever dream about being famous, wonder what it's like? Not really, but a few months ago, Raquel Welch came into the store. Dad said she was really nice and friendly, but then Mom started getting jealous, so he stopped talking about it. What did she want? For my dad to stop talking about Raquel Welch. No, what did Raquel Welch want at the drugstore? Oh, aspirin and tanning lotion. Chrissy appears to concur with the choice of items. Hey, maybe you'll win Wimbledon one day. Then you'd definitely be famous. I had a dream about it, but don't tell anyone. Why not? They'll say I've got a big head. Imagine if you do. Wow. Yeah. I'll be able to tell everyone I'd be a Wimbledon champion. You were playing properly today, weren't you? Of course. Because there were times when I wasn't sure if you were trying. Why would I do that? Can you make money if you're really good? I don't think so. My dad says that money just ruins things anyway. They continue through the park. Hey, have you seen Cat Baloo? What's that? It's this cool new western or musical comedy. I'm not sure. Is that the one with Jane Fonda? Yeah, I think that's her name. She's so pretty, isn't she? Yeah, she's pretty, but you're pretty too. Thanks. So, do you want to watch it? I can meet you there. Sure. They smile at one another as the sun dips below the horizon. <laughs> 